Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 504 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack. And this is our, at this point, long-awaited deep dive episode because I think it's been uh, almost three weeks since the last one came out. But um, life has uh, not been easy for me for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know. How's Before we dive into this, how's life going for you, Bill? Um, it's busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not All quite right. as chaotic as yours, but, uh, like scheduling wise. Yeah. It's been, it's been psychotic. All right. Let's get into the meat of it here and, uh, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. We have, uh, I'm Ross K5TUX. Cheryl W5MOO will not be here literally because she can't be here. There is, there is nowhere in this house to podcast from for her. Her office is empty. My office has everything in it, so there there is literally nowhere that you can podcast from. So due to that, she is not here, but we do have... And I'm Bill, any 4RD in my garage, yes. So exciting. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I could have set her up out in the garage. She probably would not have appreciated that much, but... Um, you could have gone out there too, right? You could have been out there. <laughs> well, I could have been Wouldn't out there. had all too. the bells and whistles out there, that's for sure. Yeah. Could have smoked a cigar, though. Yeah, yeah, you could have had an enjoyable time. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, I guess I'll just sit here in the middle of my mess, and uh, we'll get along with our deep dive topic for tonight. So a week or so ago, I suggested the idea of talking about portable operation, because it is a topic that I think we have touched on from time to time, but we've never really delved into the idea of portable operation, like where you go, what you need, what you should bring. You know, things like that, all the considerations for doing portable operations, like uh, lightweight equipment and stuff like that. But Bill has actually done some portable operation, and uh, he also wanted to roll in some of the on the airs, like the parks on the air and summits and so on, which all pretty much have to do with portable operation. And since he is the expert in this field, because my experience with portable operation is two meters in the car... um, We'll let Bill take it from here with his uh, scintillating syllabus of notes here, but I'm sure it'll all be fascinating, and and I'm going to learn a great deal about all of this portable operation that I will likely never, ever do. (laughs) Well, geez, uh, yeah. Uh, Well, you just grab your your Bayafang, and you're you're all set. That's that's all you need, right? (laughs) <laughs> your portable well, ops. I didn't even done. do. Port- I didn't even do portable ops at Hamvention. I have a radio with me. Oh, that's never true. Use it. <laughs> well, you know, it's such a bad uh, place to to do RF. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> strangely true. enough strangely enough um but anyway yeah we're talking about portable operations and and i guess uh you know if we think about it uh portable operations yeah they come in many forms right we could do uh we could talk about de-expeditions how you pull off a de-expedition like uh you know bouvet island like they just did uh is how to spend you know several hundred thousand dollars on uh how many how many QSOs did they do like twelve twelve hundred something like that 12,000 uh, no. far, far less than they wanted to yeah it was like what $37 a QSO or something we figured out or something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah, crazy expensive. So, like, that's one kind of portable operations. I am not qualified to even discuss that. Um, so, yeah, we won't be talking about those kind of portable operations. We're really trying to talk about things that you would do on your own, um, which, uh, I mean, you could be some islands on the air. Uh, I have known some friends that, uh, you know, had boats, and they uh, they went out to the dry tortugas and stuff like that and actually activated some some real islands, not U.S. islands on the air, but actually iota-numbered islands. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's always kinds of possibilities of doing stuff like that. Um, although the U.S. islands on the air are pretty interesting because you also have, like, lake islands and stuff like that that you can put on the air that would, uh, you know, kind of fall into this category of, uh, you know, personal portable operations. Um, uh, parks on the air is real popular right now. A lot of parks uh, being activated on a daily basis ever since they did the NPOTA, the National Parks on the Air um, special event. What was that, like three or four years ago? Um, that was super popular. Um and then uh, uh, Summits on the Air has been really popular for, God, I don't know, how many years is that? I mean, like, at least the last 10? Has that been going on for at least a decade of, like, popularity where it's been in the mainstream? I think so. I feel, Maybe I feel longer. Like, I feel like there's never been a time when I wasn't thinking about soda at some point. I, I mean, obviously, it's not that old, but it's, I just feel yeah. like it's always been part of the lexicon. So Yeah, yeah. So, you know... Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. There's also mines on the air. I think we've mentioned that before, uh, Moda, <laughs> which is basically finding uh, abandoned closed mines and some active mines. There's uh, trains on the air uh, for people that oh, do. Like, would uh, ships on the air be Boda? Boda. <laughs> Bodie Big Bodie face. Boda. Bodie Big Bodie face, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, there's lighthouses on the air. Yeah, there's so many Odas and stuff like that. And, uh, um Probably too much for the scope of a single deep dive. So what I was kind of thinking of kind of just focusing on is like parks on the air and summits on the air. Because that's two things that I have done. Um, and then, of course, Russ mentioned uh, um, field day. Field day or winter field day would be another one. Uh, you know, totally doable, single op, uh, single radio, single everything. Uh, totally, totally totally doable by by you i mean even like contesting i've done uh you know three county line you know being a county line activator for uh kiso party as well um you know those you actually have to go leave your house and go find the actual corners of uh, counties you know if you can get on four counties that's even better because every contact you make you make four contacts basically in the log for more points um yeah. So, so, uh, you know, how do you get started in all this stuff? I mean, you see, uh, we have lots of websites now and lots of content kind of being dumped out there on a daily basis about, uh, activating and, you know, different gear and different antennas and, and different, uh, um, places to activate and stuff like that. But, uh, I kind of, kind of just threw down some, 
just basically some header items that that you want to consider when you're actually going out and going to do some of these. Um, you know, do you do you need a very specific battery? Do you need a very specific? Do you need do you need solar? Do you need a certain radio? Do you need to know CW? Do you need to know this? You know, there's like so many like many different things that you know may or may not even be an issue. So let's kind of just break it down into the list that I have here. And the very first one we're going to talk about is power. Um, power, your power requirements are going to be different based upon a few things. Uh, one of the things is your radio that you pick. But we're not going to talk about the radio right now. But let's just, let's just assume that you're smart enough to figure out that you need so many amp hours for your operation of your radio. And that's going to be different based upon how much amperage your radio draws when you actually talk into it, or if you're going to be talking into it, or if you use CW, you know, banging the key. Um, there is duty cycles to consider, and there is a lot of listening involved. So your radio is going to be in receive mode more often than it's going to be in transmit mode. So you might not need as big a battery as you actually think you need, should you actually need a battery. Now, if you're doing a parks on the air, and I see that uh, KJ5T here has some pictures of uh, a bench that he, uh, he he went out and did. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's an option. I, I see a nice uh, uh, you know road sitting there, uh, or that might be a sidewalk there for a bike path, but um, you know, you can, uh, you know, I did a parks on the air, did a, a national parks on the air event. Um, and we brought a generator because like, yeah, it was, you know, parking lot, <laughs> parking lot, walked right over and, uh, yeah, started the generator up, uh, had a nice silent generator. So, uh, you couldn't hear it and we were running, uh, you know, hundred watt rigs, no problem. And we had actually multiple rigs and multiple antennas and, and everything else. Um, so like power is going to be different. And let's say I'm doing a summits on the air and, you know, not a drive up summit like you have uh, in Colorado where you can drive all the way to the top, walk, you know, 40 feet out of your car. You're inside of the activation zone and uh, bada bing, bada boom, you're on soda. <laughs> you know, one that you actually have to walk into the backcountry for, let's say, five, five miles, seven miles, something like that. And uh, everything you bring with you is uh, is going to be weight dependent. And this is when really choosing that power supply is going to be fairly critical because that uh, the powering, uh, you know, you have to think about a few things. How long you're actually going to be on the radio? So how long you're going to be in the activation zone? How big your radio is and what modes you're going to be operating? So those are kind of like the, was that three items? Is that three categories? Yeah, sounds like three. <laughs> the three things when considering battery size. Most of the time, most people, if you're doing a soda, you can get away with a, a little, uh, um, what is mine? I'm trying to find mine. It's not, not on my desk. It's like a 4,200 uh, milliamp hour battery. So like a 4.2 amp hour battery and uh, for QRP radios. And that would last, uh, you know, probably an hour, uh, maybe even more. And I never planned on ever operating that long in the summits that I've attempted <laughs> to go. <laughs> I have I have hiked them all, but I have not actually activated the ones here. I've activated activated the one in West Virginia at the Garden Ground Mountain and uh that we use the same actually we use a smaller power supply for for that radio and we did about a 45 minute activation using CW. So so the battery, uh, you know, if you're walking with it, you want light. So you want to get, you know, a nice LIFEPO, you know, 3S, something that's going to be somewhere in that sweet spot of voltage, uh, you know, 13.5 uh, 
13.8 is, of course, the magic number, but like you can't get that in, in uh, batteries perfectly for like a LifePo or LiPo or any of those uh, fancy lightweight batteries. So you're going to be getting probably whatever the 4S. I think that's what it is. The 4S is going to be at what, what the nominal voltage is like 14 point something. Um, you guys can look up the math on that. I'm not going to be a mathematician there, but I think the LifePo 4S is the closest one you're going to get to... Uh, to a compatible voltage um and depending upon your radio too a lot of different uh, qrp rigs are very flexible in voltage um especially uh you know like uh kj5t's there he looks like a elecraft uh kx2 maybe yeah maybe a kx2 <laughs> looks small enough to be a kx2 um yeah so you, you can definitely use that um uh, if if you're going to do a parks on the air and by all means you can park your car right by the bench <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. KX2. Uh, yeah. You feel free to use some power. Um, you know, I have a generator that, uh, I can throw in the back of the truck and, uh, I can actually run it from the truck and run a cord over to the bench and, uh, power is not a problem. And I would take advantage of that whenever you can, because there's no sense running battery when you don't have to. Um, if you're, you know, bicycle mobile or your foot mobile, yes, you want a battery and always consider weight, 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 battery, weight. And I'm looking at, uh, Looking at his his uh, battery there, and that, that's a pretty beefy battery pack he's got. But he also r- rode on a bike, so uh, weight is not a huge concern or condition there, so no worries there. So power, again, if you can bring real power, bring real power. Battery, you know, always consider how long you're actually going to need it to be alive. And feel free to think about, like, yeah, I can run that battery completely dry. Um a lot of these uh, small, tiny QRP rigs don't take uh, don't take a lot of battery power. In fact, I've seen a lot of them run on uh, nine volt batteries, and uh, you can probably do an activation with uh, you know a handful of nine volt batteries. And think about that for weight. That's not a lot of weight at all. So that's that's definitely something to consider. All right. So now that you picked your power, and you know, think about the radio. Your radio only has to work for the modes and bands in which you need to activate on. You know, do you need do you need to bring extra radios? Probably not. <laughs> I know a lot of people will bring a uh, VHF, UHF uh, handy talkie with uh, APRS tracking and everything else. And that's great. That's great if you actually have APRS, if you're in an area where APRS capabilities are possible. Um, that also gives you ability to uh, do some activations uh, on VHF and UHF with your handy talkie. You know, if you're not bringing some other higher powered VHF UHF radio to you know maybe do operations with a uh, you know Yagi or some kind of directional antenna to get you where you want to go. But uh, a lot of people that do these activations like Poda and Soda, you know, they're they're generally doing uh, HF, so they're going to bring an HF radio. Um, and uh, you know, uh, QRP is of course uh, an option. Obviously, it's going to get you uh, that lower battery consumption rate. Uh, I have a, a, a pair of uh, IC703s, but one of them has actually uh, has been on a summit and uh, has uh, operated just fine. Um, you can use like the KX2. That's a really good uh, good rig. It gives you uh, what, 80 through 80 through 10. It's missing another band though, right? Isn't it? Like, is it missing 12 or something weird? It's got a, or is that the uh, 10 tech? It's definitely 80. It stops at 80 because the KX3 is the, is the 160 radio. I also have a, uh, <coughs> I have another rig here, the KX1, uh, which is also an Elecraft, and it's uh, 80, 80, 40, 30, 20, I think, if I uh, if I could power it on right now, I'd, I'd take a look. Yeah, KX2 is 10 through 80. Um, generally, 
generally unless you're doing night operations or you know late night operations or you're doing not doing envis or something crazy silly like that you're you're going to be operating on the upper bands uh generally 20 20 17 15 i mean nowadays you could do 12 and 10 but uh you know i'd say most soda poda activations are going to be in those uh those sweeter bands that uh, have always have activities even when there's marginal conditions because nobody wants to waste any time um and you know you can use any radio pretty much any radio that you can lug out there is the radio you bring generally the one you already own is the best radio to bring because you do not have to buy another radio (laughs) um you can buy a purpose-built radio yes and be prepared to spend a lot of money for it yeah um but you don't have to you can yeah i've bought both of these 703s used i think they were 400 maybe less than 400 dollars a piece when i bought them and they're probably even cheaper now i don't know i don't know <laughs> uh the kx1 actually was closer to 400 dollars uh, when i bought that um it's a cw only rig so you'd have to you know only be able to do cw uh i've done soda voice and cw so uh, voice on qrp is completely possible <laughs> anybody that tells you differently does not know how to operate qrp or they have a really bad antenna and uh i don't know if i'm going to go too much more into radios because because there's like a million different options out there nowadays um and you can pretty much have your plethora based upon your your price but like you want to pick the radio that pretty much just covers what you need for the activation soda is more important because like weight 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 that 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 weight you have to carry to do an activation as long as it's not a drive up one uh is important you're doing an activation at a park bench with your car right next to you you know god lug out the old (laughs) the biggest radio you own the 7300 or whatever the 7610 you know uh there's no sense uh you know cutting corners there um same thing with field day you're gonna do a field day big radio same thing uh well you know uh it depends so you get into field day and you get into winter field day or you get into uh QSO parties, you might want to be looking for <clears throat> specific um, so status, so classes or whatever. So you may pick a radio that's more geared towards the uh, making sure that you have the best radio in the class. So let's say if you're using QRP. Like if I'm doing QRP and I'm doing voice QRP, I'm always going to bring my IC703. But if I'm doing CW QRP, I will just bring my FT450D unless I'm on a mountain, uh, because it's like, uh, the speech compressor inside the 703 is better for sideband contacts. And, uh, yeah, so I would use that over pretty much anything else I own for sideband on QRP. And, uh, for CW, I probably use the, the Yezu because it has a better filtering in it, in it. So, um, but yeah, use the rig that will satisfy your requirements for the activation, uh, whether that be a park, a mountain, or whatever. Antenna. Yeah. So this is, again, and it always it always comes to, like, if you're carrying it. If you're carrying the antenna, you know, feel free to use a semi-compromised antenna. Would you or should you actually use something like a 9-to-1 on, on long wire, you know, end-fed half-wave? No, probably not. Not when you don't have to. If you can bring a tuned half wave, and fed half wave antenna for the band you need, which they have some that are multi-banded, for those activations that require a lightweight antenna, that's a good option because generally you wouldn't need a counterpoise, so you're only throwing up one wire into the air. Um, 
And generally, you know, you're not, you don't have to carry around a tripod and, and a bunch of other stuff. Generally, you have to find just a tree or somewhere to throw a wire up. But I will tell you, if you do really tall mountains, um, yeah, you have nothing to throw your wire up into because you're above the tree line. So bringing, you know, your fancy NFET half wave is now not really good unless you're planning on uh, bringing a kite to fly it up into the air for you, which I have done. <laughs> Uh, kite deployed antennas are interesting, and uh, I always carry two kites in my bag should I ever need to use one. Um, would I would I actually do it? I don't know. Uh, I haven't been forced to do it yet, uh, but uh, it is an interesting way to deploy an antenna where you have n- no other place to hang your wire. Um, for like a POTA, a POTA thing, if you again, if you're driving up, you know, I'm, I'm looking here again at the KJ5T's antenna here, and he's definitely got a tripod and a vertical. Um, those are great. Yeah, um, the best, the, the best you can bring that you can fit to carry. I have a larger N6BT um, vertical dipole that uh, runs 20 and up. A uh, little bit of jumper wires to get it tuned up. I've used that for portable field day, portable uh, QSO parties, county line activations, and whatnot. That antenna is great. Why is it great? Because it's like 97% efficient. That means every last drop of my QRP signal I drop into it, into the 13-foot of coax, <laughs> which really doesn't have any loss, <laughs> maybe half a dB of loss, uh, gets out and out into the air quite rapidly. And uh, it's the best bang for the buck when you're doing that kind of stuff. Um, when you don't have to use compromises, don't use compromises. Why? Because you've taken the time to go out and do something portable. And the last thing you want to have to deal with is the fact that your antenna sucks and your signal sucks because of your antenna. Then you're going to be struggling receiving people. They're going to have problems receiving you. Um, it's just not worth it. You know, um, my, my soda kit has, has a vertical in it just in case. And I also have wire. Um, now I don't use the NFED half wave, um, uh, cause I'm generally going to probably use a vertical. So I have a little tripod, mini tripod that I bring out and I have a coil and I have a telescoping whip. It's not the most efficient. However, you can tune it before it ever has to go to the radio. So, <laughs> so you can get it pretty close for efficiency wise. You'll end up with the same, you know, loss through the stainless steel and everything else. I mean, you know, there's, there's mathematics out there. You can look at the losses. However, you don't have the same losses going through, you know, like an NFET half wave where you have coil loss and, you know, transformer loss and, you know, other, other dynamics playing into to effect there. Uh, there's things like a buddy pole. Uh, a lot of people do use those. They're a little bit more bulkier to carry. I wouldn't see many people using those on a, um, on a mountain. Um, the uh, uh, mag loops, like uh, the little the little the walkie mag loop thingy, uh, Alex Ham loop, I think, right? Like Alex loop, yeah, the Alex loop, yeah, yeah. When you were spotted, <laughs> that's a great thing. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the, the little uh, the mag loops are great. They're high Q. Um, they're not uh, they're not a perfect a perfect fit. Um, they do work. So don't don't discount that. They they do work. Um they're very high Q. They're very high loss, lack of efficiency. Um there's spreadsheets you can look at uh that 
calculate every possible band based upon your loop, and you can look at those efficiencies. Um, again, those efficiencies are important because you know you're carrying wire with you, whether it's in a loop or it's in a roll or it's on a little kite string or whatever. Um, you want that that wire to be the best thing you could bring with you for what you're doing. And you don't want to waste your time trying to fiddle with things. Um, so it's important to have everything kind of pre-tuned. Uh, you know, you can bring an antenna tuner with you, or not antenna tuner, well, you can use an antenna tuner, obviously. Um, you can bring an antenna analyzer with you. Uh, you know, even this tiny one that I have here, the Nano VNA that we've talked about in the past. You know, it's, uh, boy, you know, it's it's tiny, but it probably weighs as much as my KX1. And so, you know, I'd really have to think about it like, uh, you know, this could be a, an extra ham sandwich or something like that, you know, when you're up there uh, hiking on the mountain. <laughs> Food and water become a little bit more important than uh, than extra gear, especially for stuff that you should have done at home, like, you know, retuning your antenna, making sure it's already close and everything else. I highly recommend using power poles for creating jumpers for different lengths of antenna. So that way, if you want to extend your antenna, use the power pole connectors. Those are super awesome because they just click together and you're you're good. Um, so yeah, you can you can make your antenna. You can buy an antenna. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Darren has a comment here. So when you're going on a POTA trip, you set up an auto script at home to spot you. Yeah, there's a way. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's keep on antennas. So uh, yeah, if you're if soda lightweight, pre-tune it. Make sure you're bringing stuff with you that you need. Don't bring anything with you that you don't need. Um, I will say that one time we went up on the mountain and uh, we were going to run CW and uh, I didn't bring a key. <laughs> Actually, I didn't bring the adapter for the key. Uh, we brought the key. The key had the <clears throat> quarter inch, no, had the eighth inch adapter on it, or what, a 3.5 millimeter adapter. And it needed the quarter inch adapter. And I did not bring the quarter inch to three eighths or three, three and a half millimeter adapter with me, which was slightly tragic. However, I had the IC703 and I, of course, had my microphone because I'm a sideband guy. And I'm like, well, I think you can just program the uh, program, uh, the, the microphone, the up down keys to be your actual paddle. And uh, yeah, sure enough, uh, we, uh, we flipped it in the menus. So knowing your rigs and knowing what they're capable of doing. And actually, if you look on the K2BSA, uh, K2BSA uh, YouTube channel, you can find a very short clip of uh, Mike Crownover 85A doing CW using the microphone as the paddle, uh, the up-down keys as the paddle for, uh, for running CW on the IC703, which is uh, sitting here on my desk. So, yeah, radio, antenna, power, we got it, right? We got all that. Modes, 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 modes. Um, sideband, CW, FM, satellite, you guys know all the modes. Uh, I hear more and more people are using FD8 on some of these activations. And in fact, you can find some portable kits with FT8 already kind of pre-baked in. And it's kind of intriguing. Um, that sure in the heck would be really quicker to make contacts. I don't know if the context of the activation is lost on the other users that wouldn't necessarily be hunting you. Um, and I'm not sure, like, I haven't seen a soda activation. I guess that's, that's where I'm at. You could definitely do a POTA activation and stuff like that. Cause you can just put it in the log and <clears throat> yeah, I think it's legit to claim points. If you're doing FT8, I've seen enough of that now that I think it's, it's gotta be legit. I don't, I don't see how it wouldn't be. Um, that, that was from Darren <laughs> asking that question. Um, yeah, I, and I would, you know, yeah, 
no. Again, it's it's making uh, the hobby more accessible. We've had this discussion before about uh, FT8, and uh, um, I think even uh, we talked about it in context with uh, Dan, KB6NU's blog post about FT8. FT8. <laughs> So uh, even tongue in cheek, we talked about it. Uh, yeah, any mode, you know. Again, think about the mode you're using, the duty cycle of the mode. If you were going to be like a heavy FT8 user on an activation on a mountain, yeah, your battery would get chewed up pretty quick because you know it's pretty much 50% duty cycle. So that's not normal. <laughs> Where you're uh, you're basically burning your uh, yeah your battery pretty quick. So your battery wouldn't last very long. Uh, your activation would be really short. And you'd have to rely on people knowing about it. So, you know, doing things like uh, what KJ5T's just said is that make sure you're spotted. Uh, And in fact, uh, with Soda, you can actually pre-register a spot on there. So uh, all everybody knows you're activated and you put your plans on there as well. Especially if you're going into somewhere where, you know, the only contact, uh, only way you're going to be able to communicate is via HF or something like that, where you you can't sit there with your APRS beacon why people are watching you walk up to the mountain and stuff like that. Um, I only say that because, you know, out here in Montana, <laughs> pretty much you turn the corner around a mountain and all of a sudden you have nothing. So um, I'm sure in some areas where, you know, you can still see cities and stuff like that as you go into the backcountry. <clears throat> and go to your mountain uh, mountain drive. Uh, yeah, you can do whatever. You know, you know, APRS running from the car and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of the screen and the computer, there, Darren. Uh, yeah, this is like we mentioned uh, that uh, FT8 application for your cell phone, and I saw a kit with the set, that cell phone application for FT8 and the radio that would plug into it as the go sort of go kit. And I I would see that as kind of like, wow, that would actually be pretty effective because your cell phone, you know, you run your cell phone in airplane mode. How long does that last, right? That that could last a long time. <laughs> so, so, yeah, modes, CW, you got to know your CW. Um, I, I, you know, I've been through a few CW activations. Uh, it's really important. The chasers are really particular about about their call signs so you really want to make sure your fist is pretty clean uh send slower to be cleaner so it's no sense being super fast because it doesn't matter speed is not terribly important it's really clarity of the signal and ensuring that the communications is clear like you say exactly what you're activating and make sure you have their call right your call right um all that stuff should be solid CW or sideband, again, speech processor. Make sure you got a radio that has a decent speech processor because especially if you're running low power, you want all the oomph, oomph you can get out of it. So ensure you know your radio and know that uh, you know the capabilities of it and ensure you're clicking all the right bells and whistles on that thing to uh, to drum up some business. Um, definitely spot yourself if you can spot yourself. If you get a first contact, have them spot you. Uh, most will. A lot of these chasers spot people. So a lot of logging software auto spots people too. So uh, it'll happen easier than what you may think. Uh, the reversed uh, beacon network, I think, still spots people for soda. If you do CQ soda a couple times with your call sign in it, I believe it will auto spot you. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm fairly certain that you can do that. Uh, so there is some kind of cool auto mechanisms that you can kind of spot yourself with. Um, yeah. And again, tell people that you're what you're doing. If you if you inform people of what the events you're doing, it's, you're always going to be a little bit more successful in doing it. Um, so modes, we have modes, logging, 
Logging, I have it listed here because, like, you want to ensure that you're logging. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think you'll have a lot. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm uh, just reading uh, KJ5T here mentioned, I don't think you'll see a lot of FT8 for soda. I, yeah, I would assume that would be a little harder, uh, unless you have this particular kit that I was just talking about. Um, for POTA, many folks do activate from the car. Yep. Yep. You can definitely do the car thing. Um, Ritty works really well. Any of the digital modes, PSK, so on and so forth. <clears throat> Darren says his uh, KX3 came with an iPad interface. So he says, pity grid tracker will not work on my iPad. So yeah, your mileage may vary there. Logging, definitely log. Um, uh, generally on sodas, paper log works fine. Because, uh, uh, yeah, again, <laughs> I, I don't feel like lugging a computer out there. And it's a heck of a lot easier writing uh, than it is typing into your cell phone, um, your contact information. But again, some people might, you know, just like typey, typey, typey. Mm-hmm and delay their response back or they're so good that they can keep the key in one hand on their cell phone, you know, in the other hand and just type it as they go. I prefer a little, I have waterproof uh, pad and a waterproof, uh, you know, writing utensil that I always keep with me hiking in case I have to leave a note that, you know, I died over here or something like that. So, <laughs> so uh, they work great for doing logs of uh, sodas because, you know, generally sodas, you're not going to have a ton of them i think minimally you need uh what is it five or seven contacts for it to count so in general you'll get your you get your enough to make a count and then some extra and then you just decide based upon the activity whether or not you're gonna go longer or stay shorter or depending upon the weather conditions and whatnot you might uh, bug out sooner than than later as soon as you have that activation uh completed so logging can be anything. You can come back after the fact and log. Poda, you know, you're generally in, at a park, you're plugged in, or you're in your car. You generally have some kind of laptop going on there. So easy to have a, you know, digital logging when you're, uh, you know, basically a, attached to shore power. So, yeah, don't be afraid to whip out the laptop and the, you know, the N1MM, CQR log, or, well, we have the, what, the not N1, not not 1MM or something like that now. Is that the new one, Russ? Are you awake? I am awake, and oh. uh, yeah, that's the one that my K6GT is working on, the Not1MM. Yeah. Not1MM, yeah. So I'm actually excited to try that out, so <laughs> I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I want to look at it. That's so awesome. So yeah, Not1MM. So use that instead of the other 1MM thingy or bobber. And then, uh, you know, the final part of that is, of course, is once you have the logs and stuff like that, remember, you know, the work's not done until the paperwork is put turned in. So make sure you're, you know, if you're doing sodas, you're logging that into the soda network to ensure that the, you know, all the chasers get their credit and stuff like that, as well as you're pushing up to, you know, your cloud logs or your um, uh, logbook of the worlds and everywhere else that needs to have uh, confirmations and whatnot for uh activity tracking and stuff like that so ensure you actually get those in there because uh you know the chasers and the activators are are both important and uh, the chaser didn't chase if you didn't report the activation properly so um yeah definitely helped uh, give credits by doing the paperwork so let's uh let's kind of circle back and uh i'm just going to read some of these other comments real quick and russ did you have any any comments or questions or suggestions or clarifications? Uh, no, well, I just wanted to say something about the like doing the FT8 stuff because now you could you could probably put together a little something with uh, like a single board computer and a TFT screen and maybe even have the radio as part of the SBC two uh, with a little like uh, one watt or sub sub one watt uh, transceiver built in and everything and you you'd have a display that doesn't require a lot of 
power for for being able to do uh, electronic logging and all of that, as well as uh, making the contacts that wouldn't take up a lot of room, wouldn't use up a lot of weight, and could be powered by a relatively small, you know, power unit, battery, what solar panel, whatever. So, might be a nice option for for these kind of activations if you're if you're looking to do FD8, something that has a heavier duty cycle. Yeah, yeah. If you use lower power, it definitely. Uh... And I kind of like the idea of pairing up the cell phone with uh, some sort of a little bit more capable radio that already has all the the digital whiz bang stuff built into it. And uh, I can't was that was that in the latest QSG? <laughs> I read that, or was that somewhere else? I know I just read an article about it. I'll try to dig it up and put it into the show notes about that particular setup because it, it talked about that uh, that cell phone um, FT8 app in it and i thought that was kind of interesting at least for a small lightweight kit and then i I read another article uh just the other day maybe it was even today i'm so bad with this um about uh yeah people using old cell phones instead of raspberry pis because you know raspberry pis are slightly unobtainium and are overpriced when you can actually find them and uh yeah old cell phones are abundant how many of them do you have in your uh you know, in your drawers <laughs> that you can search around that still boot up, you know, they, they don't need much power. And, uh, hell, you know, the old ones are even better cause they have, uh, you know, uh, actual, uh, uh, an audio, uh, connector to it instead of having to use some kind of weird dongle to, uh, to break out your audio, you know, voice or sound card, basically <laughs> the f- cell phone. Let's see here. What else we have? Uh, computer screen. Nope, 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 nope. Doing digital. Poda page. You can schedule an activation. So yeah, on the Poda page, you can schedule an activation if you're doing digital or CW. RBN will hear you and spot you on your frequency. So that works the same. Um, let's see. What else here? Ba-ba-ba. Auto script at home. Yeah, yeah. There's there's easier ways than that. Uh, oh, the battery uh, KJ5T was using was a 4.5 amp hour. So there you go. Yeah, one pound. Really, really lightweight. Three amp hours. Another one he has is slightly smaller. And for overnight camping or car camping, it brings a 20 amp hour battery. So there you go. Uh, AX2 is a radio for him. And that's a that's a really light radio. Wow. <laughs> My friend's a friend is a KX2 in his kit. And uh, believe it or not, he does a lot of soda activations. And he thinks it's still too big. It's too big a radio to bring. So he, he uses a, one of those MTR mountain topper radios. <laughs> so... <laughs> And he complained about my KX1. He said the KX1s are loud. He's like uh, they're kind of clicky uh, when you're close into it. You don't notice it if you're like you know on the receiver and far far away. But uh, he says if you're on the same mountain with other people doing an activation, he's like the KX1 is a is a bit loud. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was that was interesting. But uh, yeah, I haven't actually used the KX1 to do any activations, although I'd, I'd really like to. So it is just, it's a bit heavy. You know, it's not as, he- I mean, it's obviously not as heavy as the IC703, but it's uh, it's still pretty heavy. So it's a, it's a little little fat boy, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, I typically log on paper and enter digital later. Though I'm thinking of buying a new tablet, better battery life. Yeah. yeah again, tablets, computers are great if you're not, uh, not hiking up the mountain. You know, again, that could be, uh, you know, a tablet could be another half liter of water or something like that. Yeah, it's something to always consider, <laughs> especially if you're going in somewhere. As soon as you go up high in a mountain, you're no longer near water. So it's not like you're going to be uh, pumping water or something like that. So you're going to be carrying everything you need. Uh, so, yeah, so you really you want to be prepared for what you're actually doing and kind of think about that as the the main goal. So if it's someone's on the air, 
you know, know, know your summits, know which ones you want to do. There's tons of lower summits, especially if you're in a higher area, like in Montana, we do have, you know, a lot of them that are, you know, not 10 pointers, you know, they're all the, you know, six points and four points and stuff like that. You know, you can focus on the, the easier to obtain ones, uh, less height and stuff like that. They're less walking, less hiking, less, uh, less stuff to carry, less issues with water, um, so always consider, always consider that, um, doing a park, God, there's so many different ways to get a park on the air. Um, you know, you can, you can be very flexible. <laughs> you know, you can bring the whole station out to the, out to the park again, comply with all the park rules. That's going to be your limiting factor there is that, you know, be, be aware of the park rules, whether it be a state park, national park, they do have rules for, you know, uh, putting stuff up, being obnoxious and stuff like that. So there might be quiet hours. There might be uh, non-generator use. There might be, you know, don't, don't, you know, attach your antennas to the uh, redwood forest or something like that. I, I don't know. So, you know, be, be mindful and be, you know, considerate of the rules. Always bring a copy of your license um, and be prepared for that, uh, you know, stump speech to explain exactly what you're doing as a ham radio operator. Uh, so, uh, yeah, because you never know. You you might be questioned as to what you're doing. You look like a terrorist with all those pointy, pointy things on your car. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, always, always be prepared to be the face of amateur radio to the community at large when you're doing those events. I believe the National Parks on the Air event was specifically to kind of, you know, kind of have that, you know, get on the air station feel of, uh, of um, a field day where, you know, you invite the community out, you know, you want to be present where there are people so they can see the hobby. And that's, that's the, that's the nice part about doing POTAs is it, it's a visible part of the hobby and you're making it very visible as to what you're doing. So maybe not so much sitting in the car and hiding, <laughs> hiding in the car with his, uh, you know, big mug of coffee there and stuff like that. Like, uh, 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 sharing and, uh, yeah, Darren's got a QR code for like what he's doing, you know, amateur radio operator parks on the air nice thing he's got going on there so yeah just be prepared to uh you know be able to answer those questions and and have fun and and stuff like that so like the whole point of these portable operations is to uh you know not have you sitting in your house or in the shack and and operating and and just kind of going out and experiencing a different part of the hobby and uh like we talked with uh neil um a few weeks ago there about uh you know satellites that's that's portable operations too and you know he does a lot of satellites from the mobile rig in the car and it's a lot of fun or uh like we've seen him in parking lots you know the rest you saw him at a, what, a hotel parking lot working one as well <laughs> yeah he so, was just getting to work some satellites from his uh, car and mobile installation at a hotel parking lot just happened to roll up on him and was like oh well how you doing <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i mean portable ops can be anywhere I mean, it could be just mobile ops. I mean, you know, even that's kind of generic, you know, in your car and stuff like that. Um, but it's still all the same thing, right? You know, you think about installing your antenna in your car. You think about how you're going to wire it. Is it plugged into the cigarette lighter? Well, if it's a hundred watt rig, you're not plugging in the cigarette lighter. You're going to, you're going to wire it directly to the battery and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just all about thinking about what the, what your purpose for your particular radio use is and, uh, you know, just executing it all you know, as closely as possible and, you know, staying in budget, whatever that budget may be. And, uh, you know, try not to collect too much stuff like I have in my desk here. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. 
do it smart and uh, you know plan and try to you know like I say focus on getting that antenna um especially you know for portable you know soda ops and stuff like that get an antenna that's a, as efficient as you can bring that's lightweight don't spend don't bring an antenna you have to use a tuner with i mean that's just that's just stupid you know you can do that at home all you want <laughs> but if you're going to go out and spend time and you know make the effort to do this portable operations you know take a little extra time get that antenna totally prepared and uh yeah have very few things that you have to worry about once you get there. Yeah, you're still going to have the bad coax. You're still going to have this that occurs just because, you know, that happens. That's Murphy, right? He's always going to inject himself into the possibilities of what you're actually doing. But it, with a little pre-planning, you know, you can you can have the right antenna, you know. Yeah, just because you can have every band because you brought that 9 to 1 on un and, you know, if you put 123 foot of wire on it, you can, you know, do 160 through everything with your tuner. Is it the best antenna? Nah, not really. Um, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always put something up that works, you know, you can you know light up water, right? You know, water can be an antenna. <laughs> um, but yeah, spend a little time, get the right antenna. Don't don't just go and grab an antenna that's uh, marketed for soda because it says soda on it uh, on the on the website or whatever. You know, spend a little time, understand the efficiencies of antenna, understand the compromises you're making by getting a certain antenna. Much like my vertical, I know it. It's, it's a vertical, you know, with a telescoping whip. It's not efficient. However, I know I can get it tuned <laughs> and not have to use the tuner. So I know I can get back some of, of uh, that loss that would also be included in a non-efficient antenna. You know, should I actually have to run it through the tuner and let the tuner swallow it all as well? Um, but yeah, know, know what you're getting into. Know the antenna. Make, you know, bring a radio. You don't have to be QRP if you don't need to be. I mean, if you're POTA and you can plug into the car or whatever, you know, why would you run QRP? You know, unless you're trying to compete in a contest for a certain class, why would you run QRP? Because you don't have to. Um, yes, the difference between QRP and 100 watts is probably a S unit and a half. Um, but still, if you don't have to, you don't have to. Um, yeah, and I think that's uh, that's kind of the gist. Um, yeah, some of us like the thrill of QRP. I do too. I, I mean, that's why I have a lot of QRP rigs sitting here right here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I put my IC 703 against a lot of, a lot of others because of the, uh, speech compressor on the uh, sideband. So, um, I really, I, I just think that's a, a winning combination. <laughs> if I could get that on all of my other rigs, like my Yezu and stuff like that, I would be, I'd be really happy. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure they'll get lots of comments on it. Like hey, you're stupid and don't know what you're talking about because that's yeah, true. I'm, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've done it a few times and, uh, but I, I, you know, in general, I think these are good, good options, you know, good practices, you know, picking what you need for what you're actually trying to accomplish. Don't over buy, don't buy something you don't need. You know, do you need a radio that does 160? I mean, is it a good argument between buying a KX3 and a KX2 for doing mountain topping? You're never going to do a 160 activation on a mountaintop. So you'll never need 160. You most likely will never need 80. You probably won't even need 40. So do you really need all those bands? No, you probably don't. You know, think about what you're going to activate. You know, you're not going to throw up a 63 foot 
63-foot wire antenna on the top of a mountain to run 80 meters. Nor will you probably run a full 33-foot for 40. Although you could. You could definitely do it. Um, but, yeah. Yes, the 703 is a QRP 706, and it has it has an amber display. So that's also a telling factor. It's a, an amber display versus the green display from the 706. But, yeah. So anyway, that that's uh, that's all I got for my ramble of randomness of portable operations. I hope hope there was something in there that can help you uh, on your journey into portable ops. And with that, I'll uh, go back to Russ and see what he has to say. Well, I told you at the beginning, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I, I managed to say stuff anyway. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a that's a great roundup. Again, portable operations is definitely not something that I'm particularly interested in myself. But I do appreciate those people who like to light up the islands and the lighthouses and the summits and the parks and the this and the that and the other thing, because it's always nice to work them. But uh, if you ever catch me as a soda activation, definitely mark the date, because <laughs> it's going to be uh, probably the first and last time. But um, yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed that talk actually quite a bit. And there was a couple of little nuggets in there that... I really uh, appreciate it, especially when you sort of like, it wasn't even in your list of things to talk about, but right there at the end, you kind of threw in the part about, you know, if you're going to a national park, maybe you should like check out the rules and stuff. Cause I, I you know, I'm sure that people don't even think about that thing. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go to, you know, this uh, battlefield park and I'm just going to roll up with my, you know, whatever I've gotten start setting up and then wonder when the park rangers come around and, you know, <laughs> wonder what the hell you're doing there. That kind of thing, but yeah, yeah so lots absolutely. of stuff to consider. But yeah, very good. Uh, I think we had some great commentary from the chat room, so that was cool. And Steve says there's uh, not not a lot of mountains in Texas. That's true, but I'm I'm willing to bet there's some stuff you can you can light up down there. Oh yeah, there's tons of soda activations down there. I mean, they're not tall, but they're probably all right. doable. <laughs> probably get your dirt bike probably or whatever, right? <laughs> 405 feet of elevation or something like that but it's still 400 feet above everything for the next 100 miles so <laughs> uh all right what else do you say there are some drive ups not far from you oh yeah 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 no i know i know i could do some drive up stuff but i mean i don't i don't really have anything that i can use for for portable activation everything i've got is the kind of stuff that sits on a desk i, I don't have anything that can do qrp you know, I might invest in some sort of lightweight H- HF rig or something like one of those UBIT X's would probably be pretty cool for, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or something like that. But I don't have any of that gear right now. So, but it is what it is. All right. So I guess with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to our little closing segments so we can, so we can wrap up real quick here and get on with the rest of our lives. Uh, at least until we manage to get another one of these episodes out. I have a feeling that next weekend is not going to work because I'll be in a hotel. And you'll be might, driving. And you'll be driving. That's right. You'll be on the road headed to parts nope. unknown. Yeah. Florida. <laughs> so, yeah, next week is probably out. And then I I don't even know if I'll squeeze one in before convention at that point, but we'll see. So speaking of Hamvention, when we move into announcements and feedback here, our GoFundMe is still live, although I'm going to be shutting it down in the next three to four days, probably. If anybody has checked it, uh, like I have, we are not only fully funded for the original $550 amount, but overfunded at this point. So thanks to everybody who contributed to that. Um, That money is 
going to be well used for Hamvention. And we really appreciate everybody who's able to help us out with that. Uh, like I said, I'll leave it up for three or four more days. So if there are any more straggler donations, you know, we'll certainly take them before I shut it down. But uh, know that we are already funded, so it's not necessary. We'll definitely be at Hamvention. Uh, we're already booked. We got our passes, got our hotel, and hopefully Bill makes it back from Florida. And because, uh, <laughs> you know, things happen. Yeah. Well, there'll be no K2BSA booth if I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You're pulling double duty again. So, yeah. But all right. We, we definitely hope to see everybody next month at Hemvention. We'll be there. Thanks again for the donations. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll let you hit this uh, quick YouTube comment that we had from one of our new, uh, apparently, listeners and uh, social media participants. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this YouTube comment came from my name is none of your business. <laughs> nice. <laughs> says, I'm just getting into ham radio going through the AWRL book. This podcast is a treasure trove of information. Thank you. Well, I'm, are you sure he found our right podcast? I don't know. This is that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much whomever my name is none of your business may be thank you <laughs> yes we really appreciate that it's always nice to get some good feedback and that was i don't remember what youtube video that was on i think it was on one of your um you know linux in the ham shack yeah. type videos. Um, but anyway yeah or it could have been on an episode it might have been on an episode like 502 or 501 or something except i don't think you've done those yet have you no i did i caught them all up oh uh, you did up. okay so yeah it might have been on one of those excellent i think i'm all about the last all right good and we're we're actually looking for possibly to doing something more with youtube in the future maybe leveraging some of the technologies we're we're at a part of now where we might be able to put some kind of video on the youtube um editions of the podcast we'll see about that i mean considering we record on discord now it would actually not be too difficult to include video of us although i don't know if i want to do that anymore but uh we'll see and uh perhaps we'll have some sort of additional comment on you or content not comment content on youtube uh, in the future it'd be nice to have something other than just an audio track with no video or a title card so yeah yeah maybe one but, maybe one we keep saying we're gonna yeah, maybe one day we don't <laughs> maybe you're on episode 1000 <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be an episode 1000 <laughs> trick right maybe we'll have chat gpt decide for us chat gpt will you uh make us a youtube video from our episode thank you very much hugs and kisses <laughs> all right actually can it can it do like voice uh transcription can we get it to do the social media roundup <laughs> um actually well i think I th you can you, think you can pipe it through uh voice engine yeah you? so yeah yeah i think so yeah we could definitely do that i had a whole <laughs> podcast that was done text to speech so <laughs> <laughs> i finally stopped that when i went to ireland i was like i'm not doing this anymore it's just stupid <laughs> all right let's go ahead and get through the new subscribers supporters and live participants and then we'll go ahead and wrap up here for subscribers and patreons we had jonas rulo which i didn't check to see if he had like gone away and then come back or he's just doubled up or something but anyway either welcome back or welcome again or whatever it is jonas thanks for uh subscribing to patreon maybe he moved from paypal to patreon something something like that i don't know Could be, yeah. but and then we also had raymond rich so thanks for joining uh, on facebook we have ren hook who's actually a friend of ours <laughs> his name is eric and uh if anyone doesn't know who ren hoek is it's the ren of ren and stimpy it's just the name he uses but uh then we have john mad dog hall and if you don't know who john mad dog hall is well you haven't met anywhere because he's everywhere <laughs> 
and then we have Daniel Bot, and I don't know if Daniel Bot is Daniel Bot's real name or if it's a bot named Daniel, but he followed us on Facebook. So on uh, Twitter, we have OK Rogues on YouTube, Syed Junaid Ahmed. Uh, the aforementioned My Name is None of Your Business, uh, Guillerme Gervasio, Damian Calloway, and McKellarl, something like that. On Discord, we had Dan Vesda. How do I shoot? Jim WU3K, Big Boar Battalion, Klungarar, and Page Runner. On Instagram, there's one of these I have no idea how I'm going to pronounce it, so I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, there's US5FLV, Alex's Radio Shop, Dan the Radio Man, um, Electronica Wedlugzulia. Sure. Uh, at at Kav- <laughs> You want to give that one a shot? No, that's good. That was good. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, at Kavacha, Arkin underscore Sawyer, and TeddyBear.Ice62, which I thought was like a porn account, but no, it's actually a real guy. He's from Italy. <laughs> he's, he's like an IK call. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, I was wondering, you know, it's just one of those ones we <laughs> don't need to, to uh, mention, but nope, he's an actual ham. So, on Mastodon, we had Pilfer, Steve Stroh, N8GNJ, Linux Rules, Smiley, Richard M- M1HAX, going to emphasize the M, Mike, uh, being the uh, British ham that he is. Uh, Scott, N4JN, KB7YS Stacy, Dan, KE8SMQ, J Mo, and SA0BIB slash Johan. We didn't have any merchandise sales this time around. We did have a couple of people join the mailing list. Dick, KF6UX, got to be careful with that call sign, I think. And Rich, N1NDF. So thanks for joining on the mailing list. And then tonight, where did that Jonas come in? Did you type that? Yeah, bike me. Bike me just answered your thing. He said I had, he had to re-up because uh, it stopped charging him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't switch back over, so sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so thanks, Jonas. So Jonas uh, Rulo is obviously in the chat room. And we had Ted, WA0EIR, Darren, VK60K, Steve, KJ5T, Steve, K7HVT, and John, K1BTZ as they say in Canada. So that brings us down to the end of the show. Sorry about all of the confusion and delays and everything and getting an episode out, but as anybody who's been following us anywhere knows, things have been really, really crazy, and I don't know what our schedule is going to look like until Ham mentioned, but we'll put them out if we can. So hope you all have a great week. Hope to see everybody at Ham Mention, and uh, we look forward to the next time we get in touch with all the rest of you. So this has been episode number 504 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NA4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's one 909 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. 
Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.